Session 11, The Way of Salvation, Part 2. Introduction. Wesley distinguishes two aspects of salvation. This is sanctification, which is, indeed, in some degree, the immediate fruit of justification, but nevertheless is a distinct gift of God and of a totally different nature. The one, justification, implies what God does for us through His Son. The other, sanctification, what He works in us by His Spirit. Sermon, Justification by Faith, Outler, page 201. Perhaps no other doctrine of Wesley's has been so lauded, so influential, and so debated as his doctrine of Christian perfection. There is no consensus among Wesley's scholars about how Wesley envisioned holiness. The following reflections are by a Wesley scholar, Dr. Diane Leclerc, who interprets Wesley through a lens greatly influenced by the concerns of the holiness movement, of which the Church of the Nazarene is a part. Wesley's Sources Wesley believed in Christian perfection because it was biblical and because he believed it was rooted in the Christian tradition. Wesley was extremely familiar with early church writers who offer an understanding of holiness, such persons as Ignatius of Antioch, the Shepherd of Hermas, Irenaeus, Clement of Alexandria, Origen, Gregory of Nyssa, Macarius, John Chrysostom, Ephraim Cyrus, and others. From these writers, Wesley gained great insight into the potential of God's grace to empower and enable a holy life. When Wesley read Macarius, he said his heart sang. Overall, these writers provided Wesley with an intense optimism about the possibility of human transformation through the cooperation of grace and human response. There are writers from the Middle Ages as well as from the later Catholic and Pietistic traditions who influenced Wesley's thought. He encouraged his preachers to read deeply from the Christian tradition and often provided them with excerpts to aid their understanding. In 1725, Wesley named three significant authors who greatly influenced his understanding of holiness, Thomas Akempis, Jeremy Taylor, and William Law. From them, Wesley garnered important insights into the nature of perfection, such as the real potential to live out pure intentions, the need to imitate Christ as the model of holy living, and love for God and neighbor as definitive and normative of perfection. The following quote comes from Wesley's A Plain Account of Christian Perfection. It acts as a summary of Wesley's gleanings from Akempis, Taylor, and Law. In one view, Christian perfection is purity of intentions dedicating all the life to God. It is the giving God all our heart. It is one desire and design ruling all our tempers. It is the devoting not a part but all our soul, body, and substance to God. In another view, it is all the mind which was in Christ, enabling us to walk as Christ walked. It is the circumcision of the heart from all filthiness, all inward as well as outward pollution. It is a renewal of the heart in the whole image of God, the full likeness of Him that created it. In yet another, it is the loving of God with all our heart and our neighbor as ourselves. Definition. What is it? In 1741, Wesley wrote the sermon, Christian Perfection. He attempted to define Christian perfection by first examining what it is not. However mature Christians might become in this life, they do not approach the absolute perfections of omniscience, infallibility, or omnipotence. Their understanding remains limited, their judgments are subject to error, and their actions are sometimes limited by infirmities of the present human condition. 
Christian perfection does not at all imply a Christian is free from ongoing temptation in this life. On the positive side, Wesley believed even newborn Christians are perfect in a sense they need not commit outward sin. Later, Wesley modified his beliefs about the relationship of Christian perfection and sin and stated that Christians are never made incapable of sin, but that sin no longer need rule in the heart of the believer. In 1761, Wesley wrote On Perfection, in which he stated Christian perfection is having the mind of Christ, the renewal of the image of God in us, perfect love, inward and outward holiness. Wesley's primary definition of holiness is that of love. It is love that excludes sin from the Christian life. According to Mildred Bangs Winecoop, we have misunderstood holiness if we see it only as the absence of sin or sinlessness. Holiness is not an absence, but a presence, the presence of love. Occurrence. How does it happen? When Wesley uses the word sanctification, he is referring to the whole Christian life and the therapeutic or spiritual healing that occurs throughout the spiritual journey. He also uses the word salvation in the very same sense. However, sanctification has various descriptive words that have different meanings. Wesley refers to what we call initial sanctification to make clear that the imparted righteousness of Christ begins to take effect in the new believer. Here, God begins the process of actually making us righteous or holy. What we might call growth in grace is the progressive or gradual sanctification that occurs between new birth and entire sanctification, and between entire sanctification and final sanctification, also known as glorification. Wesley strongly emphasizes the need for progressive sanctification. By entire sanctification, Wesley means a deeper experience of God's grace. In A Plain Account of Christian Perfection, he offers some explanation. He says this experience is not so early as justification nor so late as death. He stresses the gradual work must both precede and follow the experience. He emphasizes it is immiscible or capable of being lost. He also tackles the question of instantaneousness by making his classical comparison to a person who may be dying for some time, but inevitably a moment of death does occur. Wesley scholars are most divided by the question of how Wesley envisions entire sanctification to transpire. Some claim the holiness movement's stress on instantaneousness goes well beyond Wesley's intentions and rigidifies his more fluid and dynamic theology. Others claim a definite second crisis experience is very much in line with Wesley's own paradigm and should not be seen as a 19th century renovation. Dr. Leclerc's interpretation is that Wesley hoped both an instantaneous experience and gradual growth would receive equal emphasis. The holiness movement's interpretation of sanctification would emphasize Wesley's words here. It is of importance to observe that there is an inseparable connection between these three points. Expect it by faith, expect it as you are, and expect it now. To deny one of them is to deny them all. To allow one is to allow them all. Do you believe we are sanctified by faith? Be true then to your principle and look for this blessing just as you are, neither better nor worse, as a poor sinner that has still nothing to pay, nothing to plead but Christ died. And if you look for it as you are, then expect it now. Stay for nothing. Why should you? Christ is ready and he is all you want. He is waiting for you 
He is at the door. Let your inmost soul cry out. Come in, come in, thou heavenly guest. Nor hence again remove. But sup with me and let the feast be everlasting love. Sermon, The Scripture Way of Salvation, Outler, page 282. Summary Statements 1. Wesley holds to love for God and neighbor as descriptive and normative of the Christian life. Love is not only present, but ruling in the heart of Wesley's mature Christian. Maddox, pages 176 to 191. 2. Wesley came to equate entire sanctification with a level of Christian maturity and was cautious about claiming it too soon in the Christian pilgrimage, but he also exhorted persons to seek the experience now. 3. Holiness, or perfect love, is a work of grace that is both progressive and instantaneous. 4. Holiness, or perfect love, is synergistic. It is lived out in a dynamic relationship with God, who provides the grace we need to be holy as we cooperate with such grace. 5. Wesley became suspicious of terms such as the destruction of sin, because this implied an impossibility of sin's return. But Wesley was highly optimistic about how love shed abroad in our hearts through faith can exclude sin. He tired of the debate over whether or not Christian perfection was sinless. His emphasis was on love, not sinlessness, as the goal of Christian maturity. 6. One of Wesley's major points was that the Christian life did not have to remain a life of continual struggle. For him, to deny this type of victorious transformation was to deny the sufficiency of God's empowering grace, to make the power of sin greater than the power of grace. Application 1. Write a reflection paper on what Wesley defined as Christian perfection. 2. Define sanctification, initial, entire, and gradual toward glorification. 3. Choose two of the summary statements and write a reaction paragraph for each.